I gotta admit, I'm in a really weird like headspace right now. Like my media diet the last eight days has been very bizarre. Yeah. Let's see. I've watched Ingrid Goes West mm-hmm. most recently, mm-hmm. which was very stressful. Um, Mother, It, and Wind River. Uh, I watched only the finale of Famous in Love for your instructions. What is Wind River? Wind River. Mm-hmm. It's uh, kind of like not necessarily called a mystery, but kind of like a crime murder movie that takes place on an Indian reservation. Who's the star? Uh, Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch. Huh, okay. Uh, that is a weird media diet. So a bunch of movies and then Famous in Love. And then also reading Witcher books, yeah. So, Yeah, <laughs> a bunch of weird-ass movies. Ah, anyway, shall we begin? Let's begin. This is Head Cannon. Hi. I'm Benjamin Light. I'm Marcus Park. We're uh, kind of rebooting things a little here. A little bit. This is kind of uh, an episode zero for us. Our, our main reboot, reboot won't really start until October, but mm-hmm. uh, there's a little taste of things to come. As you can see, and we'll hear as you're listening, we're kind of not going to focus on a single topic anymore. We're going to be a little, little more multiple, as they say on NFL podcasts. A little more, a little more fluid. Sure. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about very topically uh, Taylor Swift's new video from a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You wanted to talk about the Witcher books. We're going to talk about Mother exclamation mark the movie, lowercase M exclamation mark. Yeah, and then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Famous in Love. Yeah, uh, which if you found this podcast only because you like movie and pop culture podcasts, you might be wondering why are they talking about a show no one watches? Uh, so we used to do a podcast on PLL. And it's the same showrunner. So mm-hmm. there you go. I think most people get it. Yeah. Well, at a certain point, unfortunately, it becomes the viewer's problem, not ours. That's true. <laughs> so you you had some thoughts about this Taylor video. Uh, uh, look what you made me do, of course. I don't know if there's a second one out or not. I don't think there's a, a video that I know of for the second single. So so I someone had suggested to me on Twitter that we should do a podcast about Taylor Swift. And I said no. He said no. But for like, Three days, I was like, yes, I would love to do that podcast where we would just, each episode, we would only talk about one song each. Cause it would, I mean, it would cover how bonkers Taylor Swift is, but like it would come from love. Cause I really do like Taylor Swift. 1989 is a great pop album. How do you feel about Look What You Made Me Do? Um, parts of the song have grown on me as a whole. I think it's a mess. Um, Charitably speaking. Yeah. The video is just goofy. I kind of love it. We just watched it all the way through. I only seen like about 30 seconds. And that's when I was like, we need to save this and talk about it on the podcast. I will say this. I think the video is a better expression of her ideas yeah. than the song is. I think the video still is a mess as well, though. There's some there's some interesting editing in there. Um, I mean, it starts with her doing like her thriller. And then it's like she's deconstructing her images. If I like had she's Madonna. If I had one critique for this video, it's that there's way too much going on. Oh, it's like a it's like it, seventeen scenes from seventeen different movies starring Taylor Swift. It's like different. It's like a whole bunch of different music video concepts all smushed together, isn't and I that, don't think it works. Isn't that music videos now though? Uh, music videos are terrible now. They don't make them like they used to. All right. So do you want to just go through this scene by scene? Sorry, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit of you know old man get off my lawn here. Music videos used to be better. It's just true. I mean, so as heavy handed as it could be, it starts with a gravestone for here lies Taylor Swift's reputation. 
And then it's like Corpse Taylor. I feel like the what she should have gone with is like this weird thriller thing, like maybe some sort of narrative about how she's like some sort of uh, I don't know, spirit wraith or whatever, who then transforms back into like glamorous Taylor who eats diamonds. Well, like yeah. this flows to me. It's after this that it, it feel like it goes off the rails. The match cut to the Taylor swimming in bling and diamonds, mm-hmm. like that fucking Melania magazine cover or yeah. whatever, um, is just so excessive. I mean, I Taylor doing these like tongue in cheek Bono characters, I'm totally into. But I feel like she needs to. She needs to. S- focus and settle down like you've got way too many ideas but going i think on here. i think that's what makes the ending interesting is that there are like 17 tailors collect them all but my, and they're all willing to make fun of each other my my problem with that is that those are different tailors from the ones that are in this video really what it's all of her various selves but there's there's all the ver- weird tailors in this video uh-huh. but then she's also like she's got like her like old um he wears shirt skirts, Taylor, whatever yeah, that yeah. song was, you yeah. know, like she's she's got her other like real life stuff. And then she's got these weird like Taylor personas in this video. She's even got the it's I'm a let much. you finish Taylor. Yeah, it, you, you do one or the other. I feel like you don't do both. I I this this video is an embarrassment of riches. OK, yeah. Well, what do you like about it? I love it. Oh, first of all, this part right here, the throne, like the, the snakes, the, the throne and the snakes like. I was like, oh my God, Taylor, have you ever been hotter? This is amazing. Like, she's just sitting on her throne with like fucking snakes, and like, I, it's just so dark and terrifying. I don't know. This this video makes me uncomfortable the longer I watch it. I feel like there's under in an undercurrent of self loathing happening. Oh, absolutely. This is a. Weird, I don't think it's healthy. This is a no. Well, look what you made me do. The sentiment alone is not remotely healthy. <laughs> um, but like this glam car crash that the paparazzi then film and she gets off on it like i feel like that's making fun of kim k i don't know what else it's supposed to be uh, you know maybe someone can explain to me some of the kim k shit um but if you can that'd be great if you could do it in a way in which i, I give a shit about kim k i can explain it to you in one word okay. narcissism anyway um then there she's like in a bird cage and then she's robbing a bank i'm all about this girl gang robbing the bank and like animal masks see but i feel like this should be its own video like I just, think that's just make of, a video about you robbing a bank. You're not getting just one thing. You're going to get 900 things all at fucking once. <laughs> she didn't used to do that, though, as far as I know. I mean, I, I can't claim to have seen many of her videos, but like the the one where she's like the that she parodies, with, she's like the girl playing the guitar. That was just like that was it for the video as far as I know. I, I think so. that was the old the bubblegum mm-hmm. country pop princess image. Like she was like uh like what uh what's her name kellyanne Conway thought she was as a teenager or something oh that's just insulting but like don't compare taylor to kellyanne conway i'm i'm more about what kellyanne conway wants and then there's the you're, what yeah you're more about what kellyanne no no, conway no, no. Wants? that's my comment was more about what i think kellyanne conway okay. wants to be perceived as mm. yeah i don't give a fuck about kellyanne okay. conway um and then you got the like <laughs> the biker gang the biker gang that part I could lose. I think I think the beauty of this video is that there is way too fucking much. Like this weird glam mannequin army 1984 thing that she's doing here. It's it's all a little too much for me. I feel like I, I don't know if no one's telling her no or if she's just oh, in a really bad place. We cut then from the Beyonce flash dance with the dancers all wearing I love TS shirts to her just chainsawing off the wing to a gold. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't. <laughs> I just want more of it. And then, and then she's on like a, it's like a, 
pile of bodies of herself as they're all climbing to be whatever new Taylor is. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not sure what her concept is really, other than like she seems to hate herself right now, which is a little distressing. Yeah. Um, I feel like she generally gets a little bit too much shit. I love the cut from the, the primal dead girl screaming as we cut back to this one. Like, I feel like she's like a, a perfect target for everyone to unload their misogyny on because who's going to complain? It's Taylor Swift. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this video is not good. Uh, I, I would totally disagree. I, I, I love how bonkers this video is. I mean, this is to- so excessive at the end when they're all just in a line in front of the jet. Like, they're all telling herself to shut up. Yeah. Like making fun of herself. And it's like even like the new Taylors are like ripe for parody. I just like Carly Kloss or like whoever's on her team. Was none of them like, hey, maybe don't, you know, maybe this isn't the great direction to go in. I don't think you get on. You her don't team. need to be more pop. I don't think you get on her team by telling her don't. Someone needs to. Yeah. Someone needs to like, like hijack her phone, take her phone away. And then like. It's like, let's just go, let's go on like a tramp steamer cruise that it's going to take like four months to get across the ocean. And you just like get away from everything. I feel like that's what she needs. Now, Taylor, you do you, girl. Mm. Um, so you're, you're just enabling toxic behavior. <laughs> I, I will admit that some of this is not happy. I mean, so have you listened to the second song off the album? I heard like, uh, like a shortcut of it. Like not, coming, not the whole thing. it's to me, that's just, it's just a class. It's got a weird intro, including what sounds like a, like my jackal my impression is just like jock jams i think was it's, what I it's heard. a classic taylor jam but like the mindset is pure teenage girl like the 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 parody of that almost um like the mindset of shippers of a tv show yeah i don't know i i almost feel like she just should just i know i'm it's like taylor's like a she's a commodity she's a product she can't just like not put the album out but if i were her I would just call it all off and be like, you know what? It says I'm going to go to roll out. We're not going to ship it. I just wondered though, is there some kind of method to this madness? Is there like, you know, is this like the first salvos of something more in, in the rest of that album? I think she's a little crawling up her own asshole. Oh, she's like. 100% crawling up her own asshole yeah. at infinitum. Like, but I, I think it, it worked to parody her image on 1989 with like blank space and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But like, you already kind of like covered that ground and now I, I it's like diminishing returns. Like I don't feel like she's really saying anything new or terribly I think that's interesting. The, that's the curse of the pop star who's constantly reinventing themselves though. That's like the Madonna's, you know. Eventually you recreate yourself, recreate yourself, and then there's nothing. We don't care anymore. There's no substance. I just feel like now is a time to get more genuine instead of more fake, you know. And I wonder if that's coming. Um and maybe not in this album. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I think it broke a ton of records. So this just, this it's might. Not, be, I don't think it's going to be an unsuccessful album. I'm sure she'll make a shitload of money. But this might need to be like the supernova by which she starts it all over. Mm. I worry about her. I don't know. I feel like she's a better songwriter. This this song is trash. She needs to ditch the Jack Antonoff of the world and like go work like, go work with interesting people. There's a couple parts of the song that I like. They're just classic pop production, but like together the song doesn't work as a whole. Um it's got like it's no doubt elements. It's got it's like multi-tracked chorusy elements. Um, it's it's right said Fred elements. Yeah. 
Um, that's why I like the second single a lot better, though. <laughs> it's... So you're going to buy the album when it comes out, I assume? No, I don't really buy a lot of music. What are you, like Spotify? Or... No, I, I just... You just uh, you, you obtain the album? I obtain the album. Okay, yeah. that's fair. I have a story about that later. Um, all right, well, anything else to cover on Taylor? I just feel like there's a there's a good theoretical video here that's just like the weird Halloween like Queen of the Damned thing going on. Like there, I mean, there's the, like a there's like a story concept video oh, where yeah, like the, maybe a dude shows up and she like sucks the his match blood cuts or something. Alone imply a narrative that doesn't it, it totally doesn't, come through. Yeah. It's unless unless the narrative is just we're trapped in like the. Uh, uh, the Tarsum Singh version of Taylor's like Mind Palace, mm-hmm. which, damn. I do like the the weird cat mask Robin Bank thing, but I feel oh, like I, I, that's like, that's the first concept that I would grab and be like, I'll have a treatment for this movie on your desk by Monday. <laughs> I mean, back in the day when they made music videos, that would have been a video. It's just Taylor Swift and her like weird girl group is going to go rob a bank. They're just going to bling like, ring point, the shit out of Point something. Break style or yeah, something, yeah. you know. Yeah, Taylor Swift in a remake of Point Break. Mm-hmm. I mean, I who, guess who was her Johnny Utah? Is she Bodie in that scenario? Don't you think? What if she's both? Ooh, I like that. Yeah, like dark haired, like a uh, yeah, like yeah. green screen, like whatever. Jackie yeah. Marilyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> who's well? I mean, who's how much Gary Busey? <laughs> how much do you think this video costs? I feel like you could go make a pretty decent low budget. Point Break knockoff for the same amount of money that's I spent think on this, this video. This is a two million dollar video, maybe one point five million dollar video. Really? Yeah, I'll go like five. Wow, shit! You might I feel be like right. I feel like this costs a lot of money to make. Well, that opening shot, like, well, all the, the, the cemet- makeup and everything, the cemetery with the TS tombstones. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, shit. There's like TV shows that can't afford these kind of special effects. Mm-hmm. I feel like someone's gonna like email us and be like, it was twenty. I welcome it. All right. Well, uh, I don't know. Feel better, Taylor. I hope the rest of your album doesn't sound like that. Just get it out of your system, girl. Yeah. Anyway, you wanted to talk about The Witcher because you seem fascinated by my fascination with it. So talk about your your Witcher collection. Are you more interested in the video game or the books? How did you come about The Witcher in the first place? Keegan Allen. Your good bro. My bro. My my bud. What 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 do he say to you? He said on another podcast, "You got to go play The Witcher Three Wild Hunt. It's like what Skyrim should have been, or you know." Something. Is that how he said it? Something like that. Yeah. He he he, was, got, he gushed was, for a while about that. It. Is what his voice sounded like when he said it? Sure. Oh, you mean? <laughs> do you mean did he say something like, "Bro, you've got to play The Witcher Three. It's like Skyrim, but good." Uh, the crafting system is so much better that's what i thought um so what is this game about it is a i guess you'd call it an rpg um you are this guy whose name is Geralt. he's a witcher a witcher is somebody who goes around killing monsters for money um it's based on a series of polish novels and short stories by some polish guy named andrei sapkowski um, who wrote all these like weird Polish fantasy books about this Witcher character, uh, which I've started to read, and I'm almost done with them all actually. Um, it's very there's a little bit of a, like a dark Grimm's fairy tale vibe. Why why are you eating during the podcast? I was hungry. Okay, put those away. 
a little bit of a dark Grimm's fairy tale vibe. Um, it's kind of like fairy tales with uh, kind of grim conclusions and whatnot. You know, like there's like a there's like a Rapunzel thing at one point where it's like the the Rapunzel in this like became like a wraith because she like killed herself because like the guy climbing her hair fell and died or I don't know. It's it's just like weird and twisted. You, Do you know? could like fuck up the big bad wolf. I think there is a little Red Riding Hood thing at some point. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, I, there might even be like a gingerbread man thing. Um, but it's you run around like killing monsters and you get there's like a main storyline where you're hunting for your kind of adoptive daughter who's like uh, everyone is looking for her because she has like special magical powers and she's like the last scion of the elder blood and all this shit, you know? Okay, so typical fantasy wank wank stuff. I wouldn't call it wank wank. It's a decent story. Um, the lady of time and space. Okay. She can teleport. Is she single? Um, so She's a lesbian, sorry. Oh. Uh, but yeah, it's an entertaining game. There's like the main storyline, but it's like, you know, it's open world. So you're walking around, taking on contracts, going to like smaller towns. There's like bigger cities you go to. Um, lots of women to try to sleep with. There's like whorehouses. It's, a, it's an adult game for sure. He can't sleep with dudes? No, because it's not... It's an RPG, but it's not a create your own character. Okay. Like you don't get a choice in in some things. You know, it's like the your character girl is written in a certain personality. So you can you can decide sometimes whether somebody lives or dies or how polite you'll be to somebody, but like it's definitely not like you get to direct them in a totally different personality style than what you would normally do. I like how you worded that. You can decide how polite you'll be. Yeah. Well you can. I mean <laughs> No thank you notes for you, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, how long ago were these books written? Uh, that is a good question. I don't have the answer to. They were just recently this summer. The last one came out translated to English, so well, they could have been like twenty years ago. Maybe, yeah. I think they've been around for a while. They were only very recently translated to the U- the U.S. or to English, I should say. Um, and that was after the success of the game. It was a really successful game. The Witcher Three was. There's two before it, which I haven't played because I think they're on earlier systems that were somewhat successful. But The Witcher Three was like. This is kind of like if you've ever played Skyrim and enjoyed it for what it was, but like wish it was better. This is like the better version of it. Better voice acting, more variety. The side quests are more than just go here and do this type of thing, you know? Because you've like quit life for a while to like play Skyrim. Yeah. Yeah. That was a dark time in my life about five or six years ago. And like, like I wasted way too much time two years ago. And then again, like, no, I, I like. I got back into it a little bit two years ago and like the uh, like the remastered version came out. But like you, so quickly you see the limitations of the game after a while that you're like, I don't feel like spending all this time. I guess the first time I was curious about your interest in Skyrim was when you were just like, oh, and by the by, like uh, my bro Keegan came correct with this Witcher 3 recommendation to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, OK. And then when I came over to record some podcast with you. And I was like, oh, hey, you got an Amazon box here. And you said something to the effect of like, oh, my Witcher books. And I was like, okay. My Witcher books, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, I, I had them all. There's The first two books are just basically short stories um, around, about the character. And then there's like five books that are theoretically like an overarching narrative. And it more or less is. But it's the way they're written is very bizarre because they, they're very episodic it's a very languid pace. Um, the books just kind of get to an ending point without necessarily like a huge climax or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they, 
it's almost like he still writes some more short stories just kind of like little vignettes here and there only it's kind of a little bit more connected as a narrative it's a his writing style is very strange and um, there's also the translation aspect of it too you know because it's written in polish it's like la dolce vita with fairy tales well um, like in the and i just started reading the last book i'm about like 40 percent of the way into it and like the last book it starts out with a whole thing where siri who's the the witcher girl his like adoptive daughter it's like, you know, she like went somewhere. She disappeared from the world in like the end of the last book. And then she at the beginning of this book, she shows up and it's like a whole joke about like the Knights of the Round Table where she's like run into like Galahad, I think. And like and she she happens to be in a lake and she has a sword and he's like, oh, that sword's for me. Right. And she's like, no, you know, and it's like it's like kind of this whole meta joke about the Knights of the Round Table. And you find out that she's like teleported to another world because um, it's it the, the, the story doesn't take place in like our world, you know? OK. Um, but then it, it like jumps like way ahead to like hundreds, maybe thousands, who knows how many years in the future where it's like people are trying to figure out what the true story of this saga was. And they're like researching and the Knights of the Roundtable or the Witcher, the Witcher. And it's like going back and forth. Like it's a really bizarre way to frame a story where you're like, it's, it's like seemingly everybody's dead in the future. You don't it's have like this in the game though. Just years the and years. No, it's just the books. Okay. Um, um wasn't it? What's the fucking one where you're in the Templars? Doesn't that one have some kind of weird present day flashback? Templars. Last, the one that they made a fucking movie of Michael Fassbender. Oh, Assassin's Creed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, this isn't like that though, because it's still there's some kind of like like gene memory thing. That's how you anyway. So the the game is definitely based on the books. It's not like yeah. the books are just tie in. Yeah, the the game's based on the books. I want to say that the author doesn't consider the games canon. Because they like do think you know wrap things up in a different way than he would have done or whatever. Uh, apparently, they're making a Netflix series out of this. Wow, um, that was announced like a few months ago. Um, I don't know if it's going to be animated or not. I feel like I don't know. I guess he could do animated. I'd, live action would be better. Like if Netflix wanted a game, their Game of Thrones, this is it. Like it's it's perfectly designed for a TV show because it's so episodic in its narrative. You know, it's kind of refreshing because aren't. Games aren't usually based on like a book. Not usually. No. Usually, video game writers think that they're really good at coming mm-hmm. up with stories, and they tend not to be right. Yeah, most of the time these days, video games are their own properties. Like when me and you were young, it was much more like there was like a video game for a movie or something coming There's out. You know? games. Yeah, they don't. I mean, they do that a little here and there now, but not really. And those aren't like the good games, like the really big triple a rated like you know top-notch games that they spend millions and millions of dollars producing those are usually all original content i guess or like franchises that were created as video games you know Hmm. like star wars is probably one of the rare you know like those battlefront games are the rare like you know existing ip as opposed to something like uncharted you know what is the hot ip in video games now other than star wars and the witcher like good or hot I mean, I Destiny Two just came out. I know I don't play those games, but I think that's like very popular. Aren't there a lot of guys complaining about Overwatch? That's something the that guys. Overwatch about, right? is a yeah. My, my buddy Eroticus plays that game. It's it's a first person shooter, I believe. What were they like, upset about? Because it, like, it was like a girl was the main character or something. All I know is that uh, Tumblr is like has a lot of opinions on Overwatch. And I, I choose to exclude myself from that narrative entirely because I just don't give a shit. So like when you play video games and like you get frustrated at a moment, are you just like, oh, you know what would be great right now? A racial slur. No. 
<laughs> uh, okay. So what are you going to do when you're done with the books? Like, is the Witcher saga over for you into the TV show? I mean, I suppose so. Yeah. I've got plenty of other books to read. Okay. But um, they're enjoyable. If you like fantasy stuff, I'd say they're worth reading. It's it's just very different. I'm, it's such a different sensibility. I think part of it's probably just because it's a Polish author. Like the the tone and the details just come come across in a very different way from say like Game of Thrones, you know. Mm. It's very kind of like fatalist mentality. Mm. Um it's dark without being gratuitous, I guess I would say. Like like you kinda like when you read Game of Thrones, you kinda like can feel like, oh man, Martin really can't wait to get gross here, you know? Whereas like these books don't feel like the author's really trying to be gross. He's just like telling a story. Mm. Um, but they're pretty cool. Siri's a, a neat character. Mm. The Witcher is kind of an asshole. Like, it's a little hard to get into his headspace, but fortunately, there's lots of characters around him. Um, I, 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 I've known nothing. I've seen nothing. Not one. He's got iota. white hair. Okay, so he's got some kind of weird fantasy. Looks like, like Targaryen. Does he wear like a like a like a fedora and a, and a trench coat or something? No, it's it's fantasy. What does he wear? He wears armor. Okay, like it's not there. I don't think trench coats would have existed, you know that. Okay, I, I just figure like the like some kind of long coat and a weird hat are usually something you see at these mysterious loner types. No, no, he's like a like a warrior. Um, but the there's a lot there's as as you know on any uh any saga I feel like is worth its salt, and you've got to get some camping at some point. There's plenty of that in these uh, books. He he assembles a, a ragtag crew. There's like the kind of stoic archer lady, and like he's got this buddy dandelion. He's like a just like a complete pussy hound of a bard mm-hmm. and he's like he's kind of an offensive character but he's really interesting at the same time mm-hmm. like he's just all about trying to get laid constantly Word. um he's an interesting character just because he's like not a fighter at all who would you cast before i ask you who you would cast egan allen wow. um as a young witcher witcher jr well he's a he's a mutant so he's not supposed to look old Okay. He he is old, but he he like has had white hair ever since he was mutated. So he wasn't um, like he's supposed to still look like an attractive young person. He's not supposed to look like a like gray beard or anything. At first, I was thinking about remember when Ryan Gosling played young Hercules. But then I was thinking like when you first saw Cable in the X Men comics, did you wonder if he was just like a dude of white hair or like did you actually think he was old? I always figured he was kind of in the middle okay like maybe middle age but not super old but he had white hair yeah <laughs> i don't know why they would like we were like fuck yeah guys of white hair old man yes give him a big ass <laughs> gun a, give him a fucking gigantic gun on like his shoulder flashlight yeah. for an eye yeah um so has googling pictures of dudes photoshopping at the witcher replaced your previous habit of googling women of lightsabers photoshopping to their hands no okay no, I, I, I mean, t- I typed in The Witcher and it already gave me two actors that someone has photoshopped to be The Witcher. It was one of them, Keegan Allen, because I did that. Did you? Yeah. Well, here he, he liked it on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess you have to show me. I haven't seen it. Oh, you and the Keegs are really, we're really, tight. You're growing we're down. Basically, best friends. Uh, I just watched uh, Ingrid Goes West, so I can say that and feel confident about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is he in that? No. Oh. No, it's just the concept. Okay. Uh, do you know what that movie's about at all? Not really. Okay. I just know it has Aubrey Plaza. Okay. 
So you guys have like Witcher tea time. You just like get together and you talk about cameras and the Witcher. Mm-hmm. The ruler might be involved. What were the two names that you came up with there? The, the two pictures that people did? Yeah. So one of them is Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, yeah whatever, you know. And the other is... I couldn't tell if this was Chris Hemsworth or Michael Sheen. It's some actor I don't know. <laughs> wow. I don't know who should be insulted there. That See what I mean? That could is, be Michael Sheen or Chris Hemsworth. It's some guy named Michael Zabrowski. Fassbender? How do you feel about that? Fassbender versus Fassbender? I think it's... I think in America we say Fassbender. I think it's probably Fassbender in Germany. Like I know on some podcasts I listen to like uh, I think it was like Wesley Morris pronounces it Fassbender all the time. It's like are we just saying it wrong or... Is he the one of a Pulitzer? I think so, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Fossbender. Hmm. I think that was Fossbender. I'm not sure. Um, no, it's not. It's no? some guy named Michael Zabrowski. I don't know who the fuck that is. Exactly. But he looks like if, uh, if Chris Hemsworth and Michael Sheen had a baby. I mean, if you <laughs> and were... And that baby was a Targaryen. If you were planning your epic Game of Thrones style TV show, I don't know if you would want to... I don't know how big of a name you could get because that's a commitment, right? Right. So Before you might have to show. go for more of an unknown. So you know it's not going to be more than eight to ten episodes. Especially this is going to be not cheap. I mean, it could be like seven years or something, you know? True. Like if, an actor now, if they're looking at Game of Thrones, like some of them might want that work for seven, you know, like if they could travel back in time and do it and some might not. All right. So, so here's one where somebody like they did side by side, though, with uh, Jamie Lannister on one half and the other half is, does the dude have yellow eyes? Yeah, he has cat eyes. He's a mutant. He, they, there's this thing they go through. What? Just asking a guy with cat eyes. <laughs> okay. So the, the, the basic... Does he like lick himself clean too? No. The, the origin story there is that the, the witchers are all basically like orphan boys or like boys that their parents give up. Um, they get taken to like these witcher schools mm-hmm. and... They, they're like trained how to fight and whatnot, blah, blah. But then they also, at some point, they go through this thing called the trial of the grasses where they basically just ingest like these toxins and poisons and only three out of 10 survive. Mm-hmm. And the ones that do, it's like the whatever the stuff they've ingested, it kind of like loosens up their DNA enough mm-hmm. that they can then be mutated with some other toxins. Okay. And that makes them like super strong, super fast. They, they cat eyes so they can see at night. Um you know, impervious to other toxins, so they can drink like healing potions, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh. So he does he do magic? He can do very simple magic. There's other characters who are like sorcerers and sorceresses mm-hmm. who are like much more powerful at magic, but he has like real basic stuff where he can like like do a little symbol to like make somebody like uh, agree with him or do what he wants him to. Or like push them back, or like light something on fire. Hmm. Yeah, these witch boys have got some powers. Um, okay, so it's a weird fantasy thing, which people are really going to get off to. Who who will Ava Green play in this? Uh, Yennefer, probably. Okay, she's his uh, is his main squeeze. I guess you'd call it. They like there's a whole story where you get it in the game, and then you if you go read the books, you get it there as well. Where like. They were like fighting a genie. She was like trying to harness a genie's power, and somehow he like cut in at the last minute and wished that they would always be bound to each other. I think was the wish that he made. Mm-hmm. And so it's like they're kind of they keep breaking up and fighting, and then they get back together because they kind of have to, mm-hmm. you know. So that's I don't know. It's, it's a like weird moonlighting, but yeah, fairy tales. Okay. I just assumed that Evergreen was going to be in it. I like how quickly you were like in here. So she'll play. 
oh, I mean, that, that to me, that seems really obvious. Yennefer is like this dark haired sorceress. Um, there's another red haired one, but that doesn't seem like an Eva Green role. Who's, who's the redhead going to be? That's Triss Marigold. She's Yennefer's best friend. And at one point, the Witcher gets amnesia. And Triss, who's always had a thing for Geralt, just like swoops right in and sleeps with him for a while. Until Love he, triangle. Until he wakes up from the amnesia. Geralt, you old like, fucking dog. Yeah. You're, you're, Dude, he... You're he, witching on the, he, on the women? That guy fucks, let me tell you. This Witcher fucks. He's um he's sterile by nature because he's a Witcher, so he can't get pregnant. So that's, oh, yeah. That's very appealing to all the ladies at the time. Nothing tying him down. Yeah. And uh, apparently he's very handsome because like... Literally every time he meets a new female character, they're like shooting glances his way and like making suggestions. But is it weird if it's a young guy, but he has like white hair and white stubble? Is that creepy? I don't know. I mean, I, I looked up what the author looked like. Doesn't look like anything like The Witcher. So, you know, there's that. But uh, did you see that that picture of uh, of Kit Harrington in an interview where he's wearing his little round glasses and he looks like a dork and then someone put the picture the Hurley. of J.R.R. Martin in a nice high school yearbook picture. Oh, no, I hadn't seen that. I, I saw one that they put um, uh, Hurley. Uh, what's oh, his oh, face? Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, no, it's like the George R.R. Martin, like what he wishes he looked like is Kit Harrington. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, he has an insane amount of sex for being like a weird mutant with cat eyes. Okay. But I think it could make a good TV show. If if you have a PlayStation 4, I'm not sure if it's exclusive to PlayStation or if it's on Xbox, but um, you should play it. It's a good game. If you've ever liked like role-playing games, the, the one thing is it's, like I said, it's kind of a half role-playing game. Like You don't get to customize your look more than like your haircut mm. and like whether or not you have a beard. You know, like it's not... It's not one of those games where you spend like an hour at the character creation screen at the beginning. It's like, this is this guy. He looks like this more or less. And he has this, this personality, mm. um, which is probably better for me. Like I, I'm kind of a bad role play person. Like I don't really role. You do it all. I don't, I don't, I don't role play properly. I just like, I'm, I'm I guess people call me a min maxer. I just like want to get as much money and weapons and I'll do every quest. And it's like, I'm not really like acting like a character. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to be the, the you know, rogue with the heart of gold. And like, these are the kinds of quests no, I'll take. No, I, I just do everything. You know, uh, I'm, I'm just like, I'll make the decision that I think will reward me with the most uh, experience and gold, and whatever. What was the complaint your friends had about you with the uh, the the D and D? Did they have a complaint? Didn't you say that they were complaining because you did something in D and D? I don't know if they're complaining. I did get all the gold. Like I'm the guy that like after each encounter or in every room you go into, I'm like, I search for a loot, you know? And so like by the time we finished like part of a little side quest, um, I had like all the gold. Mm-hmm. And so like if they wanted to buy anything, they had to ask me. And then there was something where like one of the guys you were playing with, like his thing was that he was just gonna have sex of everything in the game, including like That sounds about right, yeah. I don't know. We never finished that. I'm not a very good D and D player. Anyhow, that's the Witcher. Um, it's fun. You should play it. The books, if you like fantasy, you may enjoy them. They're they're definitely not like your typical fantasy. I would say it's like if it's not a Game of Thrones thing at all or a Tolkien type thing. Mm. There, there's like weird meta jokes in it too. Like I feel like often is kind of making it like there's a vampire character and there's several like meta jokes about vampires with that character. Mm. You know, it's like it's, there's a, a little bit of winking here and there in the books. One of the books is called The Tower of Swallows. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a joke there. There isn't. The 
Siri, his adoptive daughter, her full name is or in like Elvin or whatever is like Ziriel, which is, translates to swallow, like a bird. Huh, okay. That's her. That's her. Her handle. She's swallow. I'm just scrolling through trying to find pictures of Keegan Allen as the Witcher mm-hmm. now. Siri would be a tough role to cast because she has like gray and like silver hair, and a big scar on her face. That just seems like a weird thing to like bring into life for actual actors to bring to life. You know what I mean? Like they kind of toned that down of Game of Thrones and like the Targaryens and the hair and all that stuff, right? They did. Like, like they I didn't need Daenerys to have purple eyes. I don't know. I, I understand why they don't want to like mess with contacts and whatnot, but it's like the Harry Potter thing where it's like, oh, it doesn't exactly have his mother's eyes in the movies, you know? Mm. Um, I kind of wish that more shows and movies paid attention to details like that. Okay. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna bother like making a series out of it, might as well go all the way. No, oh, should I just found the picture from this? Okay. Nice. All right. Well, Keegan would be great as this dude. He kind of has a kind of a equiline face for it. I think you would say. Yeah, he's got kind of like that uh, that Ron Perlman jaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just eyes are gray. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I, I like the idea of him actually dyeing his hair gray. Like no wig. Go real. I guess they usually go wigs these days, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Go real. Diet diet gray keegs. They diet some of the times, don't they? Maybe. Okay. So what's what's the wild hunt? See, I think the for Keegan Allen, the the scary thing would be he 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 gets the rule. Mm-hmm. He dies at gray for like seven years, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, All right, I don't need to dye my hair anymore. And it's it it doesn't come back. It's gray now. And he's like 32. Oh shit. Yeah. And then something I'm a happens. Silver fox. And then something happens and those cat eye contacts are like mm-hmm. fused on his eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah, that would be rough. I wonder how I almost feel like you gotta find an actor who's gonna be cool with the contacts, you know? Yeah. Uh the wild hunt is these weird specters. Like technically they're just like elves from another world, but like they're just like this weird spectral force of like evil horsemen who ride around uh like on full moons or something like that i don't know they're they're weird they show up everything freezes and gets cold um they're chasing your adoptive daughter siri through the video game the whole time they're trying to capture her for her elder blood wow okay Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of like female characters surrounding this dude yeah there's the sorceresses there's a whole uh group called the lodge of the sorceresses Uh who are like all these different sorceresses from different like kind of kingdoms um, who kind of they have this secret group to like control the world basically, you know, and like manipulate the levers of power to get what they want. The future of sorceresses. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's a pretty cool game in a in a medium that's suffering under toxic masculinity. This dude can. I don't know. I would say the medium is so much as the fan base is. I mean, certainly the medium is not great in that regard, but I think it's not nearly as bad as the fandom. Well, I'd say more so than when we were kids. Games can be geared towards you know players of both sexes, but that wasn't always the case. What was the fucking game that was all about just like girls in tank tops that are about to fall off playing volleyball? Oh. um yeah, I know what one. It's yeah, like you know Dead or Alive volleyball yeah. edition or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's there's a whole separate discussion. Do you there remember on like how... when the X Men would put out like a swimsuit issue? <laughs> and it's like, who is this for? 
I think you know who it's for. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, Let's move on to our spotlight discussion. We both saw Mother Capital or lowercase m exclamation point. point. What did you think of Mother? Um, let me just say that lucky me, much like Black Swan, I saw this in a packed theater in midday. Okay. Mine wasn't super packed, but it wasn't empty either. I saw it on, I think, Sunday. Yeah. This this was a viewing. There was not a sound from a single other person in my audience. Not even a gasp. There were some sounds from my audience. I'll I'll get to them later. But um I this, well, let's just say, did you enjoy the movie? I guess so. Um it was thought provoking. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh I think it's the kind of movie that stimulates conversation and there were some interesting ideas. I'm not sure well, whether or not so. I would call it a good movie. Yeah, I hope, I hope so. Well, no, I, I, don't, I don't think there's a lot of value beyond the surface and is a movie good or not? Well, because I need to know more about how did, how did a person interact with it? How, what does it mean to them? This is a good time to bring this up, actually, because as you may have noticed in our new headcan format, we're not doing the top three, bottom three power ranking stuff like that anymore. Kind of with the idea of we I think we want to push the conversation away a little bit from I hated it, it sucked, or I liked it, it was good, you know? Um, a little less of a value judgment and more just like a conversation about well what's going on there. The value of those sequences though was when we took well, they're not bad. I just, you know, we're changing things. What up I think is probably still this year's number one comedy, which was that Fifty Shades of Grey sequel. Like it, it forced us to talk about what parts of the movie that we hated do we enjoy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, though you, I don't know what format anyone could ever review Mother. It, uh, <laughs> it definitely defies some of those things. I'm shocked that these these sites that gave it like an F. I, I think that's crazy. I should say I have consumed or read zero media about Mother. I've just seen I a know, lot of I headlines. Know, I know two things about mother i've seen the headline that it got an f cinema score yeah exactly i've seen a headline that it was like darren aronofsky explains some things about mother which i almost want to be like why would you do that seriously like shut up don't say anything well, about and, it. and if you if you have to do that the movie's failed my reading of the movie is utterly different than than his oh i'm sure it is yeah um the other thing i saw i saw a tweet i think this was on our bros account and apologize for if i'm dragging anyone here maybe it was just a retweet the tweet was something like, oh, I hope mother convinces young women not to date older writers. Ooh. And it was like, that's what you took away from that movie? Okay, sure. I My reading on it is not that warning, but something along those lines. So, I mean, obviously there's a biblical allegory throughout the movie. But my my initial take on the movie was not, this is Mother Nature, Mother Earth. You know, this isn't Gaia rejecting all its visitors who were tromping all over it i took it more as about the creative process personally i took it as a creative process but i also i'll put it this way as i'm watching this movie halfway through i was like i could see why rachel vice would leave this guy for james bond i could see that this is about the create to me it's about the creative process and the toll that it takes on your significant other when you when you what you need to what, how you take their love to create i mean we're gonna have some spoilers here yeah how you take spoilers. their love and maybe use that as raw material to create something. Mm-hmm. And then how much it hurts when you have this private interior life, but suddenly one of you desperately craves mass amounts of attention mm-hmm. 
Like it reminded me so much of. Do you remember the scene in Before Midnight when the hotel person wants Celine to autograph Jesse's book, and she's mm-hmm. like, "What the fuck? I'm not this character. I'm a person. <laughs> God damn it! You know, like that's that's what this movie was to me." How'd you feel about Jennifer Lawrence in this movie? Um, well, for a lot of the the people who really hate Jennifer Lawrence, this is like your movie. Is you, it? Well, because just to see her get trashed and dragged left and right. Um, I don't think this is the movie that shows off like Jennifer Lawrence's like acting chops. It's just not that role. Um, she's obviously a very gifted actress. I she was presence. doing a lot. Yeah, but this is not. This is not her most amazing work as an actor. It's it's. I don't know. I always felt Silver Linings Playbook was pretty fucking overrated. Um, I thought she was good in it. I feel like horror is a good lane for her. I think she's good at expressing all the various emotions, not just terror, but just the the kind of rising panic and nervousness and like the the way the movie is so in her headspace, like often literally, like the camera is just right there on her face constantly for, for the bulk of the movie. Yeah, yeah. and you're you're picking up every little detail that she's picking up and like how that's making her more and more anxious. I mean, and for, for the start of the movie, she's a little bit of a cipher. I mean, that's part of the role. Mm-hmm. Um, was interesting. I guess they, they rehearsed for a few months in a warehouse, which he said, uh, uh kind of helped figure out some of the camera movements, which I thought was interesting because the house is very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the camera movements, the camera is pretty much on her 75% of the movie. Like, it's just or, following her. Or around. if it's not, it's like, Here's her POV. Yeah. I think I'm trying to think if we ever really get away from her POV entirely. I'm not sure if we do. Um, maybe. Except for the very beginning. Yeah. Maybe like a, a couple. Before she's literally very created. Tricky yeah. parts. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for the most part, it, we're seeing what she's seen, experiencing it. I mean, if you've ever had anxiety, I've, I've worked at places where I've had dreams where I've tried to get people out of wherever I'm working. I've very rarely ever had a dream where I'm trying to get people out of my home. But like that kind of natural anxiety, I totally understood. See, I there's the obvious religious symbolism, but to me, I really started thinking about it more as like a writing process type of movie, especially when the wife showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way the... I just call him the writer. I don't even know if he had a name. The poet. The, the poet. Yeah. The way he was like, oh, I didn't know. Or him, he, but it's the poet. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know he had a wife. You know, it was almost like it was, I, I kind of saw it as like Jayla, the mother is like his kind of his mental muse. And then he's like inventing these other characters and kind of watching them and seeing how they react, you know, seeing how she reacts to them, how she reacts to them, but then just how they interact themselves. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, what's, you know, let's bring in some children now and see how, you know, what kind of drama we can get out of this and that. Like, where is it going to go? Um, you think Domino Gleason's a real creep in real life? No. <laughs> how dare you? He's really good at it. Donald Gleason, once again, getting it done for all the gingers out there. I like that they have his real brother that he gets to kill. Oh, is that his real brother? Yeah, yeah, nice, yeah. Like nice. the Cain and Abel thing there is like real brothers. I feel like if I, if I had red hair... I've got a picture of Donald Gleason on my, my vision board. Like that guy's just who are the cool male gingers? Are there any? It's Donald Gleason. I mean, would you include uh what's his face from Homeland? Damien Lewis? No. I don't know if you would. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. No one wants a mouth that small. I'm gonna 
I'm gonna giggle cool man gingers. You keep cool talking. man gingers, yeah. yeah. Gingers with man buns. Uh, no, he was great. Oh, uh, he was Torment. Torment, yeah, there that, you go. That's on my vision board. Yeah, that's true. Gotta put Torment up there. Uh, yeah, he was good. He was super creepy. Uh, obviously, Kane. Uh, should we talk about the religious symbolism? Yeah. Um, when did it first? Like, did you know going in that there was religious symbolism, or did you like pick it up as it was coming along? Um, I felt it towards the end. I kind of I didn't get the Adam and Eve thing right away from Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer, who were fantastic. It, it was only after the fact I was like, oh, that's what the thing with his uh, where he had like a cut on the back of his. Uh, oh, okay. You know, missing the rib. A rib. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's that's pretty good. Um, no, it was the Cain and Abel thing. I think that's mm-hmm. where I started to get it. Um. But see, also, I mean, I guess I almost need Darren Aronofsky to, to spell it out to me in an interview because I'm just not religious. So, like, well, I, I pick up on that shit last. It's, it's been a long time since I went to Sunday school, but the Cain and Abel stuff to me was pretty apparent. And then, like, you, then you back work to Adam and Eve, of course. Um, and then the he kind of he casts them out. You know, he they break his weird crystal. That's kind of like they ate the forbidden fruit. Right. They've been thrown out of the garden. Um, they were told not to go in there, and they went in there. Yeah, yeah. And then, like the the baby that she eventually has that everyone eats. I mean, after snapping its neck, yeah, that is a pretty specific metaphor for communion. Mm-hmm. Like it was hard not to get that. Like, like some of the religious allegory is so on the nose that it's almost kind of like asinine to even talk about. It's mm-hmm. like, duh, kind of, you know. Yeah. But I feel like. It's so on the nose that I don't think it makes her as compelling as a movie as it could have been. You know, like if it was a little more layered, I think it would be more interesting. Like because because allegory, that's 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 the problem with allegory. And I think Tolkien has a great essay on that um, where like once you can say, oh, this is this like what other discussion is there? Right. You know, like, oh, Ed Harris is supposed to be Adam. It's like, okay, well, great. I just yeah, I think movies are better if you have an audience who's who's bringing their own meaning to it mm-hmm. and it's you know maybe it's it's pretty obvious that's what the you know the auteur wanted but like don't fucking spell it out for them it was just a little too on the nose at times and definitely don't do an interview where you talk about it yeah that's seth green would be on your list is he a ginger seth green? I mean, he has red hair sometimes i guess he'd be on there yeah he's a ginger I kind of feel he's like the gingiest of I feel like the people we've mentioned, he's at the bottom of that list. Okay. Rupert I mean, I, I know there's Oz fans out there, but Rupert Grant. I don't know. Gleason just blows Rupert Grant off the page. Ed Sheeran. It's like, why Sheeran? can't you be more Sheeran? like your older brother, Ron Weasley? Ed Sheeran. Oh, that guy. No. I like to point out that when I Google any, any variety, any permutation of cool ginger bros, what it gives me, oh, there's Dom Gleason. He's finally on the on this page. It gives me a lot of like other actors that they've just photoshopped their hair red, mm. like uh, like Daniel Craig of red hair. Oh, I don't want to see that at all. It's that like, sounds horrible. It's like uh, Casino Royale coming out of the water. Daniel Craig of red hair too. Yeah. So there you go. Um, or it's a lot of like lame male models. Well, you know, there's the speculation like Donald Gleason did an interview recently where it's like he wouldn't say whether or not he'd be in episode nine. Mm. And people are like, maybe Hooks dies. And it's like, if I were the run of the franchise, I would not want to get rid of that guy in, unless I absolutely had to. Like, I feel like he's like, he is such like a solid, just like role player in mm. anything you can bring him into. And yet, do you remember we watched that shitty, uh, um, 
what's his name? The guy who did about uh, time. Yeah, about time. I wouldn't say it was shitty. It wasn't great, but it was that was okay. a bad. You don't like that? That was a, that movie was a mess. That was a movie's okay. a mess. A lot of great actors in a mess of a movie. Um, but the guy Marco who, Sparks not a fan of About Time. Yeah. Oh, it should have been right up my alley. Time travel romantic comedy mm-hmm. that should have been fucking fantastic. Interesting. But yeah, if I'm Dominic Gleeson and I and I I have to put out a sizzle reel to the world, it better just be Hux's speech on Starkiller Base. I'm trying to think of the last time I saw him in something I didn't like him in. I, I'm not sure if I can. Ex Machina. He was good in that. Yeah. He, and I felt like he. He has a, a range where I don't know if he could necessarily ever be like the heavy, like the tough guy in a movie necessarily, but he was very threatening in Mother as mm-hmm. the the cane, basically. Um, but then he's like weird kind of like, you know, non-threatening geek in Ex Machina mm-hmm. or he's like the weird fascist in The Force Awakens. Like, I feel like he's got a fair amount of range there. Yeah. Um, Dangerous dude. That's his that's his thing. Uh, he plays something very similar in uh, um, his his uh, Black Mirror episode. Oh, he was. Um, have you seen that episode? Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. That's the, he's I'll the robot, right, right? He's the yeah, basically. Yeah. He he. That's. I I feel like he was getting just those roles for a while of the kind of uh, beta male sensitive guy. I was guy. more like, you're telling me this guy got a Haley Atwell? No fucking way. He's Donald Gleason. Okay. Yeah. Um. Steve McHattie, just playing himself. Who's that? Steve McHattie. He's uh he's Elaine's therapist that she dates in Seinfeld. Was he the guy who's taking a leak? No, 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 no. Okay. He's the guy who I feel like your words are written just for me, and then he becomes like oh, the like the, the high priest guy. Okay, yeah. shaves his head. The whoever the guy was who was like taking a leak in the bathroom, I was like that guy looks familiar, but I, I looked at the IMDb list, I couldn't see anything that stood out i thought it might have been like tom arnold or something there's a guy in here that i don't know from but i guess you would because he was in leftovers uh who the the black guy like the one black guy in the movie oh yeah yeah that guy is yeah he's season two and i think he's in season three as well yeah but yeah ed harris michelle pfeiffer fantastic in this movie ed harris is such an interesting presence as he gets older well to me because i was thinking about it more in terms of like a writer and a creative process I thought it was kind of funny that like these two very, very recognizable A-list actors essentially are playing, you know, we'd come to figure out they're supposed to be Adam and Eve, but really it's like, oh, I'm creating a character and one is like this very famous Hollywood actor and then the other is this very famous Hollywood actress, you know, like I kind of was reading it that way for a while. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just, I don't know how you can't view it from the perspective of somebody associated with a creative presence Mm -hmm. i i especially as i perceive like if the creative element is the male in the relationship because there's a kind of not to say it again but a toxicity to that and how he treats his his significant other um what do you think about her like spackling or whatever she was doing there kind of like painting like like plastering or whatever oh like what do i think the the meaning is no how did you read that? I guess yeah. Uh, that one I didn't have as perspective. I guess my question, unless you have a, a reading on it, my question is the um, the perceived beating heart. Would that be her own that she's ass- assuming? It's not necessarily the house. Well, it was. It was as though the house was her at the same time. Is I guess kind of what I okay was feeling. I mean, so Mother Earth is like an avatar of the larger presence mm-hmm. of the Earth. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, eventually you get the whole Mother Earth thing. Although I, at first I was kind of reading her just as more of like a muse type character who's perhaps like creating the world. Like, cause it, at one point, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer says, well, this is all just setting. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like it's very specific word there about writing in particular. Well, you're going to love this. There's a doctor episode that has the exact same plot of this almost the recursive nature of it all. But I mean, from those first few moments, couldn't you kind of guess how the story was going to go? When she's burning, and then he sets the the oh, and then it would loop back to yeah. Eventually. I mean, you yeah. you kind of guessed that this is we're, we're going to come back to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not like they really hide it from you. you no, see it's everything turned from ash. This back is into, why this is why I tweeted like if Lars von Trier and Charlie Kaufman had a baby, and that baby was a movie, this mother would be its weird mother. Like, because it it's really the the synthesis of those two guys. Because um, Charlie Kaufman really just goes from these interesting metaphors to like this heightened surreality. Um, like this movie did. One couple did get up and leave while about halfway through the movie. There might have been so many left in my theater. I don't know. I think somebody left during Ingrid Goes West today. Interesting. Yeah, because there was like two ladies down in front of me and then at the end of the movie they weren't there so I think they must have left. Mm. That was a very stressful movie. Yeah. I keep saying that. I almost walked out of that movie several times. Not because I thought it was bad but because it was just hard to watch it was so uncomfortable like that would if like if i was watching that at home i would probably be pausing it every five minutes to just like go do something else for a while and then like, come back to it like awkward it's it's there's an awkwardness but just like a a cringe factor is this person is like basically like you know fraud she's like basically uh I don't know if Connors is the right word, but she's pretending to be friends with Elizabeth Olsen's character, you know, and like making stuff up and going and buying the same stuff as she does and like kind of like worming her way into her life. And like a Mr. Ripley kind of it's thing. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. But uh, this movie was uncomfortable in a different way Mother was and that there was no score at all. I, yeah, I remember reading that there was going to be a Johan Johansson score and then I guess they eventually decided to take it that out. That guy's like hot or something now, right? Uh, because Keep of hearing his name. The one dude. Um, the one dude. The Blade Runner arrival dude. Uh, Villeneuve? Yeah, yeah. That's where Do I... Do they work together? Yeah, okay. that's where I've, I've seen Johansson scores. I mean, he's done other stuff that's been mm-hmm. uninteresting. Um, yeah, I mean, this is... Scores are interesting in movies. And this, you know, when they're not there... <laughs> You can kind of feel I it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have minded a little bit of score. Oh, but yeah, it would. It would have been comforting. It would have told you how to feel at times. I don't even need to be told how to feel. I just like a little, a little background now and then. See, like, like whenever I, I'm like feeling really awkward, just like eating an M and M because it's so fucking quiet yeah. in the movie theater. You yeah. Know? Well, like this is like whenever I talk about scores and the awkwardness that's when they're not there is. Um, it's sunshine of the spotless mind when they first meet and they're on the train. The score is playing really when they're talking. I really am. Well, the score is playing when they're talking, and then when it, they stop and they have those awkward silences, the score drops away, and it really hits home to you how awkward you're supposed to feel. But that's this entire movie. Yeah, although I'm not sure. See, that to me makes sense as like a, a usage of score that, or the, the the absence of score, thematic and structural. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Like, what what is the artistic justification for the lack of score in this other than i don't know you'd say like 
because it's about the creative process. We can't have background music or something. I don't know. I, but I, you know, in Aronofsky, like I feel like he should do. He should like take a like a page from like the P.T. Anderson interview style. I feel like P.T. Anderson knows how to talk about his weird choices in his movies without like giving the baby away with the bathwater. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like I tried to watch. I haven't finished The Master. That's a movie of some weird choices. I'm gonna be honest. I haven't really like liked like the PT movie since Magnolia. Not even there will be blood. It was a very interesting movie. Maybe if I watch it again, because I only watched it once, I'd find more that appealed to me. But I would say it was like I was watching something that was clearly very well made and very good, but I wasn't necessarily enjoying myself. His next movie. I mean, it's always enjoyable to watch Daniel Day Lewis go nuts. His know? next movie stars Daniel Day Lewis. It's a fashion, and it's thing. about fashion. Yeah. I I like watching Daniel Day Lewis because he's a good actor, but I don't know. I feel like his movies could maybe crawl out a little bit from his asshole. Um, I think he's, Inherent Vice. I had high hopes for that, and it just yeah, it's it, was, it wasn't as good. The best well, parts of that movie are uh, Benicio del Toro when he shows up. It's uh, Inherent Vice. It's like he's finally synthesized that awkward robert altman in the 70s phase well the, the you know, joaquin phoenix has not helped or like it's like it's not a perfect movie but it's yeah. definitely got a character yeah 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 the joaquin phoenix didn't help in that movie nor did um just the fact that it's based on, like it's very accurate to the novel from what i remember the novel which wasn't necessarily entertaining either you know I'm not a huge katherine watterson fan no no i'm not sorry sorry katherine watterson um, she was in that Alien Covenant movie. She was fine, but yeah, I, I don't. I'm not like man. I gotta see the next Catherine Watterson movie. No, I'm not. I'm not usually crazy about her. Um, so let me let me tell you a little story about the just the lack of score in this movie. Tell me a little and, story and how that resulted, along with some other situations. So kind of an interesting viewing. Um, so the theater I'm watching it in it was uh, I think it was a Regal theater. They just in the past year or so they put in these fancy new leather reclining seats where like there's way fewer seats than there were before. You know, it's all like assigned seating and each chair is like this big wide leather chair and it's these little buttons on the side, they electronically like recline, you know, Sweet like dog. put up like a, like a footrest and everything. Mm-hmm. And they're okay. I don't know. I don't really, I'm fine with the, your typical theater seat. I don't need like, you don't need like, a I don't need like a couch or anything. Yeah. Um, but you know, whatever you can, you can raise it up. Um, I've been in these seats before. Didn't really know. Did your seat make a sound as you were watching the movie? I'm getting there. It was like, Murr. I'm getting there. I've been in these seats before. Didn't really notice anything. I don't know if it's just the lack of score in this movie. Oh my God, or this that... is going to be a story about how you farted and it, no, no, it no. reverbed off the seat. No, no, no. <laughs> You're close, but no. These seats, I don't know if the leather was a little tighter or whatnot. Because it wasn't me. I put my seat where I wanted it to be. I didn't really notice anything about sound right at the beginning of the movie. But throughout the movie, I hear behind me, it, it kind of sounds like someone's just like ripping this really long, like polyphonic fart every once in a while. Yes. It's like, what is, wow, okay. Yes. It's like, it, it, I guess no one's going to say anything or laugh about that, you know? And it kind of just sounds like people are farting through the whole movie. They're having sex. And then I realized as I, at the end of the movie, when I hit the button to make my recliner go back to, you know, to resting phase or whatever. It it kind of you know it's like making like kind of a leather on leather fart noise as uh it it reclines. please tell me you're telling me that somebody was getting finger blasted during mother no that's not what I'm telling you I'm telling you it sounded like people are farting through the whole movie just like an orgy of farts 
just like like every 15 or 20 minutes i couldn't hear the motor the electric motor i could only hear like the leather like fart noise it was really bizarre so and like, you know it, I, if there was some score on this movie i probably wouldn't have noticed it if there was a little background so they were noise. just like shit dog i had this these tickets for mother it starts in like two minutes but i'm having this gastrointestinal incident i was like wow that person really just fucking farted back there but okay how far back behind you was it? this was like maybe five or six rows okay so yeah not like right behind it wasn't like their anus was like directly aimed at your head and it was just like did i, did I just hear someone fart you know like it was it wasn't like really loud it was just kind of like you barely pick it up and you're hearing like they just farted right in your brainstem yeah hmm so that was uh, just an added bonus watching this movie. That was a story about the importance of film scores. Well, I, I started wondering after a while, like, would Aronofsky put fart noises like underneath as like a sound effect? I don't. Maybe he would. This is a pretty weird fucking movie, you know. I get, you know something about how that stupid skyfall i just keep expecting javier bardem to make those fucking sounds that he made from now you and then and then some fart sounds you were saying that aronofsky and jennifer lawrence are dating now yeah Yeah. that was on my mind watching this this weird movie set watching this movie thinking this is how you got together huh okay that's so like what what was i always think like what is the okay? Let I me mean, talk about behind the scenes interesting drama as it's this story that's obviously I think about a guy dealing with his divorce, maybe, and maybe being a little bit accountable of it. And like he's creating this character, this actress, and like maybe they're having feelings. And then, like, what point did they like cement the relationship? Is he just like, all right, here's that scene where some some dudes punch you in the face and like tear your top off, but uh, after this. You want to get some froyo? Yeah, just talk about this Bro-yo. thing. Froyo, where does Definitely. this thing go? <laughs> froyo. I got some euros, some froyo, to see where this could happen. I left this movie the impression, and I I usually don't like reading too much into like kind of authorial intent, but I feel like in this movie it's very very specific. Um, it seems like Aronofsky maybe doesn't care for humanity that much. It was kind of an impression I got. Uh, I haven't seen Noah, but I got the sense from the reviews that that was the case of that movie. I mean, especially with the at first I was like, maybe he just really hates his fans. But then it just kept going and going into a whole religious thing. Yeah, it's like maybe he just despises any sort of mania based on, you know, uh, a work of art. Like, it, it seems like he really does not care for like humans who'd be obsessed with that sort of thing. No, I, I don't think so the the i'm dying i'm going to trek to the author's home mm-hmm. to find some kind of me isn't that the the plot of that shane lee woodley movie where she's dying and she meets the baby driver i don't think she treks to someone's home but isn't it like isn't like they're both dying or one of them's dying and they go to like like the netherlands or europe to like find some author of some book they like i have no idea i haven't seen it wasn't there another one or like someone lives in a bubble and they get out that was like a different that's that's a different ya book term that's everything There's, everything uh the shakespeare one the john green stars is in our fault fault in our stars yeah yeah that was the one you're talking about yeah. i don't know this whole new trend of it's like it's ya but with cancer you know <laughs> uh, but yeah I, I i got the feeling and i wouldn't entirely disagree with some of his points of view they're just very 
be the word I'm looking for. Very trenchant, I guess. Like almost kind of nasty and unfriendly. Like after a while, you know. Yeah, I mean, I would say this is definitely an unfriendly movie. So okay, mm-hmm. this movie, the germ came to him after Black Swan. He wanted to do something in that arena again. He briefly took a detour to like, oh, I should do a movie for kids. And, and that then, was Noah? I, no, no. And okay. then somehow, whatever that idea is, five days later became this script. Hmm. So I, I can't believe this movie got made, to be honest. I can't believe Yeah, it's like a $30 million. I mean, I, I guess if yeah. you, you get Jay Law to sign on, you can get $30 million. Well, I mean, but like, you remember the whole thing with The Fountain? And like, that thing fucking fell apart because Brad Pitt backed out. Mm hmm. And it had to go from like 70 million to 30 million. And I just, I couldn't believe that this movie got made. But there's, there's, you know, some special effects all over the place. Yeah. Uh, it got an F in the audience score. We talked about, what do you think about that? I think audiences came to this based on the eccentric uh, trailer, which I enjoyed. And they thought this is going to be some kind of Ira Levin get out. I was really expecting like the others again, basically. Yeah. You know, like, I, oh, she's really dead. She's the ghost or something. Like I that. think they expected something more grounded, mm-hmm. um, which is what I would preferred. I think in general, I mean, obviously the author's intent is to do this, this straight up allegory after the first half an hour. So it is what it is. I like that. The only thing he won't talk about is the yellow liquid. Okay, yeah, I was gonna bring that up. Like that's the one thing where he's like, I can't answer that. Okay. It's it's vaguely related to like Victorian Gothic literature, but that's all I can say. It's mm-hmm. like seriously, that's where you draw the that's goddamn where, line. That's where he draws the line. Yeah, let me let me just spoon feed you all of what the symbolism means and everything, but let me draw the line at the yellow. But yeah, the mysterious elixir that I really probably don't have an. Excuse I mean, I, for. I, I don't know if I could say like I said that this was a good movie, but the F Cinema score. Sometimes I wonder if like modern audiences just like aren't very good at watching movies sometimes unless they're like very specific and plot driven. Yeah. You know? Um, like people don't it's like when they're confronted with something that's a little more open ended and not totally point A, point B, point C plot, mm-hmm. it's like they don't know how to react to it. I don't know. Yeah. I by making it so blatantly an allegory though you're removing the the place for the audience to True. fill in their own stuff and have that conversation. True, yeah. I mean, especially then, before the movie even really reaches wide release, for you then to explain the plot of the movie. Well, would audiences know about that, though? I don't know. Do they need to pick up on all the biblical references? I think, ideally, you would want the audience to kind of like get that on their own. You know, I mean, yeah. I was, I didn't read anything about the movie at all. I was able to just kind of put it together. Right. Um, yeah. I'm, all this stuff I'm reading about with him is all stuff he did at like preview stuff and like TIFF, like mm-hmm. before the movie got wide release. And I'm like, I think most audiences have probably just seen the trailer and saw that Jennifer Lawrence is in it. <laughs> you know, the, the people who went to see it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm like nibbling in my mind around the edge of an idea that. I feel like social media is making people's opinions less varied mm. because I feel like there's like group think that's encouraged. Oh, because by... you're, you're walking in the movie with someone else's thesis already in your head. Yeah. Or even if you didn't, you see how everyone else reacts to it. And there's no way that that can't influence you in some way or other. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, 
that's part of a, a larger idea I've been kicking around in my brain. But yeah, I just I feel like if there was no like online conversation and like twenty different like stories about how everyone hates this movie, what would the reaction to this movie be? You know, if it was a little more organic, I guess, and not so I, mediated. I I think it'd be interesting. I think you'd have a lot of silence though, because this is a movie where people are almost afraid to bring thought to like. I think a lot of people probably did some Google searching and sought out the group think, especially mm-hmm. with this movie. Um, I mean, like we talked about the allegory, I think can be limiting, but at the same time, like, I don't know, it's been a long time since I even saw a movie with any straight allegory in it like that. You know, yeah. um, most movies, I don't know if I'd say this movie spelled it out. This movie, it was very on the nose and he's been spelling it out in interviews, but the movie itself doesn't come out and say, he's God, you know? Yeah. Um, like you kind of have to put together like the Adam's rib and that kind of stuff. The, the last one I saw was really full on similar allegory was Sinodeki, New York. And that I thought was the bleakest tale about humanity I'd ever seen. Until you know, this. In general, I feel like I'm, I'm just out on Charlie Kaufman. I, uh, I thought I would be watching that movie. And then by the end, um, it became more important to me. Okay. Yeah. Synodosh? Schenectady? Well, Schenectady is the Schenectady New York town. Schenectady is something else, right? Yeah. That's, the, that's the town in New York that they're, that they're essentially referencing. I, I just had it a second ago. I, you know, I, I didn't know how to pronounce mm-hmm. it. It's Synodosh or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. I used to say Synodosh. Fuck. Fuck you. I said Synodosh. Synodosh. Um. All right. Well, you know, I miss I miss Roger Ebert. I would love to read a Roger Ebert review of this. I miss real film criticism. Like, I feel like a lot of criticism these days is, is, like I said, getting more narrow and getting more superficial, Mm -hmm. um, and a lot more focused on the author than it probably should be. Mm. You know, because I mean, like, you want to talk about like academic, like capital F, capital C film criticism. Mm auteur theory is like pretty low on the list like respectability wise like there's just a lot more interesting conversations you can have i think than just like analyzing like the author themselves so i I think that should come later you know what i mean that should come after opening weekend there should be just kind of a surface what's your gut reaction you Mm -hmm. saw a trailer you have i think you need to go into a movie knowing a rough idea of tone don't send me into a drama telling me it's a comedy Vice versa. Yeah. You're gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna enjoy the movie. It, it's all ruined for me. But like a general sense of what you're in for, and then what is your raw take? Yeah, I know. Not the chorus of voices. So the uh, some of the other movies listen to this one article of other Cinema Score F movies. The Wicker Man, the remake, of course. <laughs> Soderbergh's Solaris. See, I would say The Wicker Man is like a pretty bad movie, though. Yeah. Oh, this des- like- deserving of that F score. Like just on like even technical levels at some points, you know. Solaris, yeah. I never saw it. Oh well, wow. Uh, William Friedkin's Bug. I, I think you could probably make the deduction there that audiences don't like certain kinds of twists, I guess, or like they don't like to get something they're not expecting. Richard Kelly's The Box is the other one. That's like, like I know some people were like uh, minor spoilers about Ten Cloverfield Lane. Some people totally hated the ending of that movie. Like they just couldn't process it. Mm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I I loved it. It like it it went the place that we thought it wouldn't go. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, no, no, there really well, are crazy aliens. But isn't that kind of the place where you kind of thought it would go when you first went into the movie? And then after like the first, you know, hour, you're like, they'll never go there. Yeah. And then, and then you're did. like, oh shit, they yeah. went there, which makes me super excited about God Complex. God Particle. God Particle, sorry. Mm. <laughs> Fruity and slip. Oh, what is the uh, the Alec Baldwin monologue from Malice? You ask me if I'm a god. <laughs> um, but yeah, audiences don't like getting something they're not expecting. I think they were expecting like a Jennifer Lawrence ghost movie, and then it, we thought a, it was going to be another Passengers. At a certain point, Kristen Wiig is like executing people with shotguns in both hands, two at a time, two at a time. Yeah, which is impressive you know she's uh in imdb her character's name is harold oh really like like a harold yeah yeah not h-a-h-e um which i guess works i i enjoyed it you know i i feel like if you're looking for something interesting and especially if you have a like movie pass or something where you can just go see a movie whenever you want it's absolutely or at least it should generate some conversation afterwards this is a movie that I will come back to in like 10 years and it'll mean something to me, I think. I mean, you know, there's a the kind of movies you can go see where you're like, oh man, I wonder how they're like Iron Man and Captain America are going to come friends again. There's those kind of movies. And then there's a movie like this. But those where, movies just don't, they don't mean as much to me in the same way. You know? Well, they're, they're very different. Yeah. Yeah. Those but, are just pure popcorn mm-hmm. surface, you know, shallow throw. Well, those which were fine. Those were much movies. more focused on story and plot, whereas like this movie, it kind of has a story, but it's you know the oldest story. Yeah. Um, it's much more just about like your the way you feel watching it. I mean, I, I think one of the reasons it doesn't have a score is because it wants you to feel as anxious as Jennifer Lawrence does. Mm-hmm. It doesn't want any sort of comfort there. No, you're yeah, you're completely alone, like mm-hmm. she is. Like you said, you're either watching her or you're looking over her shoulder feeling i mean that's that's why people call it so triggering and that's it does a good job of that mm-hmm. um sorry i keep saying um um <laughs> yeah i the yellow water just what the fuck yeah i i like I, the eating of the baby part that was nice and gruesome well the movie's bright and this the 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 baby goes out of sight and then mm-hmm. snap. snap. Yeah. <laughs> I like that they went there. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, I was like, oh, this is a little bit. Uh, uh, we're in like the children of men territory. And then it mm-hmm. gets, gets even fucking crazier. Yeah, I definitely got it like a little bit of a children of men vibe there. Yeah. Crunch. I mean, I don't know if you're looking at like your, your allegory and whatnot. It's like, oh, this is like this is God and she's some sort of Mother Earth. What does it mean when she's like, why won't you fuck me? Yeah. Like, what exactly is, what's the allegory there? Or is that more like just zooming in more to a relationship level? Like, Michelle Pfeiffer's like telling her she needs to wear like fancy panties and whatnot, you know? Yeah. Is, Going through her is laundry, he saying yeah. that God needs to fuck the world more? I don't know. Well, it just may be a more intimate, personalized touch. Well, and then it's like after, after, they finally have sex and she wakes up knowing that she's pregnant and he's just like, I must write <laughs> the, the bit with like, he's a writer who like literally cannot write a single word. He's so blocked. Like yeah. you kind of have to take that as like, this is like a conceit like this. Cause like part of me is just like writers don't do that. Like no, no writer 
just sits there with a pen waiting for the inspiration. Oh, I can't write. Well, they will if people are watching. Yeah, sure. Because sometimes being a writer is half performance. Oh, and there were, especially if you're a dude. There were times where she's just like sitting, like doodling, doing whatever as he's like at his desk. And like that, from his perspective, it's kind of like, that's not going to help. You know, like just sitting there waiting, like, all right, I'll just be sitting quietly over here. You do your thing. You know, it's like, that's not conducive to writing. At well, all. there's definitely, you know, a, a blatant power imbalance to their relationship, partially because she's a, <laughs> a facsimile that he created. But um, I just, I think it's interesting the idea that I, I can't write, but I can create characters and bounce them off of each other and see what they do, which is, you know, a kind of, it is creation. What'd you so. think about his rude crystal thing? Uh, I didn't first immediately think it was the heart. I did by the time it broke. Hmm. Uh, that's that was definitely my my feeling. Uh, well, like that's where it kind of so the apples the, me- the metaphors start to break down. A little, yeah, the, yeah, the metaphor of the apple shattered the the knowledge that they've seen they're not supposed to. A lot of that that biblical stuff this is why the biblical stuff doesn't work for me though because well, sometimes it works and sometimes it does not because i'm like what's so wrong about the slithery dude who wants to empower you with knowledge oh you're very woke there yeah i'm what's- just saying what's so wrong with the group of people who want to work together to build a tower to meet their creator like why do they have to be besieged with different languages so they can't understand each okay. other some hot takes here i'm this is why i'm just not a religious guy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, once we, you know, get past this fictional character, we can start to be happy of ourselves, right? Sure. But of course, at the end, she still has love for him because it's almost like just like their programmed nature. Like he, he will always seek out the affection of everyone else and she will always still be obsessed with him but or I mean, something. I, said, I, I just kept going back to Aronofsky as an almost like a allegory for his marriage, his love life. See, I feel like that's a little bit of a narrow read though. I mean, you can read it that way. I, that's, that was my, that was my gut take from the movie. I was like, Oh, the new, the new mother at like the end. You, that's J law. If you didn't know who the director was, what would you think though? I would think maybe not so personalized to like Aronofsky and Rachel Weiss and all this stuff, but I would think I mean I definitely didn't know any drama about him and Rachel Weiss, so that wasn't on my mind at all. I, I I definitely thought this was about a relationship and when one person is I was, creative like that. I was seeing Jennifer Lawrence's character more as like a muse character, I guess. Like like a not even someone who maybe necessarily existed in the real world. Mm-hmm. Or if she did, that's not the version we're seeing. We're just seeing like his mental model as someone mm-hmm. um, who's like kind of like in his mind, he's, you know, talking to this person, like trying to bounce off ideas and, you know, get uh, get get new writing direction to go in. I think the thing about that is that you only. The symbiotic relationship you have with the muse, you really only require attention from them in a certain way at a certain time. Mm-hmm. And then you want attention from other people because of this thing you created because and that's, of your muse. that's why I read it that way, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is a weird thing because it's, as much as she is the star of the movie, it, you, I feel like you get more, you understand his character more, I guess, you know? Right. 
Like it, it does. It, she might be the star of the movie, but it's like this is obviously written by a man. I guess you'd say. Oh, it's definitely yeah. written by a man. Yeah. Well, because she she has very little character. She's just. She's very reactive. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's the cipher and she's the poor outraged mother. Of <laughs> That's what made M. me think she was just like a a mental muse because she didn't really have much to do other than react to everything that's happening and like sometimes he pays attention to her but he's always drawn back to everything else you right. know yeah all right well i think we covered mother pretty well um i don't know necessarily whether or not i'd recommend seeing this maybe go see it what if you haven't seen the movie and for some reason you're listening to mm-hmm. this podcast what do i you hope think? it at least sounds interesting yeah I just wonder if there's anyone who ever, like goes on like a like a first date and they're like, "Have you heard of this movie, Mother? You think it's any good? It's got J Law. Let's go see it." It wouldn't be a terrible first date movie. <laughs> it's not like Gone Girl. Ooh, that's a that's a. There's some people movie. in the theater. I remember when I'd see Gone Girl, they were there always on dates, and that doesn't seem like a good date movie. I just remember seeing Girl on the Train in the theater, <laughs> and the couple next to me. You know, I watched like a half hour of that, and I was just like, "Man." The couple next to me, the uh, the lady kept saying to her her boyfriend or husband or whatever, she's just like, Jennifer Lawrence is really weird in this movie. Mm-hmm. Really weird. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a drunk. So that old woman's just a liar, right? I'm not going to complete that line. But <laughs> let's move on to our final little segment here. Uh, as you may have guessed, the new headcanon format, we're going to have a couple short topics, a long spotlight discussion, which we just had on Mother... We won't always talk about new movies. We may talk about TV shows or movies that have been out for a while. You know, we'll just kind of play it by ear and see what we feel like talking about. Maybe sometime we'll just watch Roadhouse. Sure. You want to talk about Roadhouse? I would love to talk about Roadhouse. Okay. You got some hot Roadhouse takes? I just want to watch Roadhouse again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why? What brought this up? I just love that movie. Um. So... How do you want to end this thing? How do, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, you know, we wanted to do something in this podcast that has like at least a little bit of a creative aspect to it, just because that is enjoyable to us. Um, this podcast is basically kind of a, a melding of the old headcanon podcast and another podcast we did called Time Trial Murder Mystery, where we talked to you know just more general pop culture discussion, and then we usually had some sort of creative endeavor. Um, there is something called a five man band. If you go to TV tropes, you can look that up. We'd like create those and spin a movie around it, or we'd use like a story generator and try to come up with a movie. Uh, another thing, another little segment that we wanted to do is uh, basically call it fix your fix this franchise. Uh, just sometimes there are franchises out there, like let's say the DC cinematic universe, that really feel like they could use some fixing. And so we're going to endeavor to do that. We're not going to talk about DC this time, we're going to talk about Famous in Love. Because for some reason it got renewed for a second season. Side note: Did you LOL so hard at the whoever the director of Nightwing is, where he's just like, "I'm really proud of what DC's doing. They're creating a really like director-driven franchise." Sure, yeah. <laughs> as long as you get the paycheck, huh? yeah. Um, so so yeah, famous in love. Famous in love. Uh, Ten episode run on Freeform. I'm Arlene King joint. I think this this is a show that's clearly responding to a certain fan interest or a viewer interest is it i think so to me it felt more like it's trying to create shippers to become diehard fans to me it almost felt like uh 
like the the danger of writing too much about yourself was like the what was going through my mind in this like so let's say that it was like i'm arlene king's been running pll for seven years and it's like what if we'd made a drama about our own jobs you know so, like that's so neither the, of us have read the book no um it's got to be weird that the that the writer of the book is one of the staff writers kind of like uh, kirkman on walking dead but it's an I, Marlon King joint. On uh, on your instruction, I only watched the finale. I haven't watched anything else. I watched the first two episodes. Benjamin Lights only watched the finale. Have you seen the finale? I haven't. Okay. Like I said, I only watched the first two episodes. So we're going to fix this franchise. Um, I, so, okay. Bella Thorne is miscast in this role, right? Absolutely, yes. Like, they, they play her as, what is this trope? It's not quite Mary Sue- but she's like Mary this, Sue has a personality. She's like this like G golly Willikers girl throughout. She's always like adorkable and like fumbling, like, oh, oh, you know, like she's always stumbling and tripping and like pratfalls. I, I, I in the finale, it's kind of like there's this dude Rainer who's like the star oh, or whatever. Or, or like or like co-star, male co-star. And it's like, oh, he's like he fell off the wagon and no one knows where he is. And it's like just from watching the finale, I'm like, is this her show or his? Because it kind of seems like everyone's talking about this dude, and maybe we're following her around a little bit more than the other guy, but like, it seems like she's just this black hole. See, this is the same problem that I think we both felt at the end of PLL, where there's a show about women and this vomiting women, and let's, uh, let's throw it over to the dudes real quick at the end here and let them be the heroes. Yeah, it was just like, oh, she's really concerned with finding Rainer. Where's Rainer? I'm going to go have various conversations with people, see if I can track down Rainer. It's like, do you have a personality at all? <laughs> you know? So I, I guess I know a little bit from social media. So from the first two episodes, the element of the show that I liked best was her roommate, who looks like Katie Holmes, like nah, young I Katie Holmes. I really like the roommate. And uh, Nikki Koss, who has got like a young uh, Audrey Hepburn thing, is who I believe is a lesbian at the start of the show. And then I think she's dating the other roommate by the end. Oh, the no. The guy there... who's got like the unrequited. No, no, no. There is. Um, there's, I didn't understand this plot line at all. But there, and I couldn't tell if these characters had anything to do with Bellathorn's character at all. Like I, I didn't see a link between them. Okay. Unless I was just missing something and like they were another actor on the movie and I just didn't pick that up. But like there's this lesbian character who's also like a producer and then she, her kind of like on again, off again girlfriend who's closeted. Like they were going to like do a movie together and then like some other producer like kicks the first lesbian off the production okay, and like she's all broken hearted about it. And then it it seems like and she like tells off her her kind of quasi girlfriend like about how this is just about you being embarrassed you know to like take your this is the young public. brunette yeah okay and I had no idea what the what the fuck the connection is to the the Bella Thorne character at all so I think but eventually she like the the brunette lesbian lures her girlfriend who's like worried about being out girlfriend's blonde yeah back to her place and then like films them having sex and leaks it to the internet but then like pretends that she didn't leak it you know it's like it's like oh i've been violated and like i don't know what the fuck is going on in that storyline at all so the 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 nikki Koss character sleeps with one dude in the pilot i believe and then 
she's competing with that blonde girl for the role that Bella Thorne eventually gets. And then it's like revealed that they, they, they have a whole rivalry in public for like the, mm. the tabloids. And then they're and it's like, revealed that they're actually together. like lovers. And then social media tells me at some point she's sleeping with the, the guy who's like the playwright that's like in love with Bella Thorne. Like they're sleeping together at one point. Oh, uh, maybe. So I guess she's I bisexual. Um, there's, there's, um, she's got the roommate guy who's like in the finale, he's like leaving to go to like Austin to be a PA or something. Um, okay. And she's, Bella Thorne's all broken up because it's like, I guess she likes him, but isn't willing to just say so because she's not sure if he likes her back. Like it's pretty high school. Um, I, I think making it a movie is the mistake. Maybe if it's a TV show, you could do something more meta. Well, let's, let's talk about how we'd fix this. Uh, murder mystery. Uh, well, let me tell you how the, uh, how it ends okay. the finale is like there's, there's like a there's like a in media ray beginning to the show is there where she's like getting off a plane there's paparazzi and she like gets in a limo and she's all cold and terminator and like there's like a she's on the cover of a magazine with a seat next to her and it's like pff, one year earlier really because that's not exactly where okay. it, it ends with like they're having this like press junket because like the main star fell off the wagon and they got him back and they need to like calm down investors or whatever and so in the press junket, all these paparazzi or media people there are like asking, are you dating your co-star? Is it true you guys are dating and blah, blah, you know? And then suddenly like her, her other dude, her roommate who was leaving town, like she like left him a voicemail. Like she like, she found his script in the trash Is it he, about her? that he obviously left for her to find, you know, like very noticeably. Is it about trash. How, how much it's, he loves her? It's all about the two of them falling in love together. And of, of course, because this is uh, fiction, she's amazed by this and not creeped out by it. I hope um, his plane crashes. Yeah. And so, no, but he, he comes back. He interrupts the press conference like he's at a fucking wedding or something. He's going to protest. And, you know, it's like, don't answer that question about whether or not she's oh dating God. the co-star. Yeah. And he's like professing his love, and they're like, "Well, what's going on, Bella Thorne's character? Which one are you dating? Who are you going to choose? Your roommate or your co-star?" Did I actually say that? Basically, yes. Okay. Yeah, and then it's like she's like, "Oh no, what do I do?" And it kind of fades out. <laughs> the reporter's that's the end like, of the show. "Are you dating your co-star or this fucking nobody?" Yeah. <laughs> like a pose is when strangle him before he ever gets to speak. So that's how it ends. And then she's like, by the way, I'm Iron Man. I was really hoping it would end a different way. I knew there was some sort of like cliffhanger-ish. I was really hoping it would end on a like somebody's at the door. You don't know who. Because like I could work with that a lot more creatively. I would have preferred it was a who shot JR ending, honestly. Well, that's the thing. You can work with that if it's just she's opening a door. Because mm-hmm. then we could put what's behind that door. Here, it's like, I don't know. How do you want to deal with this stupid press conference? I mean, I had some very extreme ideas. I don't know how they would play. You okay. Know? Like Christian fundamentalist suicide bomb that kills most of the people in the press conference except for her. I think you're probably stuck with most of the cast. Yeah. Um, I'd like to get rid of them all except for her. But basically, this is what I want. I want to be able to do like. So who do you want to take? I, I want to be six months later. Who? Oh wait, no, I got it. Okay. Let me, let me just pitch you this. Okay, okay. the press me. is asking who are you going to date, who are you going to date, and her her buddy who's off the wagon. Uh, Rainer, yeah, Rainer. Who I hate Rainer. What a fucking well, name. His name like, is Rainer Devon. I prefer Rainer Wolfcastle. Yeah. So Rainer, he's next to her. He's sitting at the press drunk table next to her, and they're like, "Oh, who are you gonna choose?" He's like, "She chooses me." He pulls out a gun and shoots the other guy. Word. Yeah. And then everyone's freaked out. That guy's dead. He's arrested. 
And then it's like six months later, the Bella Thorne character. Let's say she looks a little more like Bella Thorne now. Okay. She's she's had some rough times. What she's, if she's like she's famous. 2007 Britney, like shaved head? I don't know if you go shaved head, but she's she's very famous now because of, you know, the publicity and, you know, the scandal and whatnot, um, making shitloads of money and just a complete train wreck of a person. I feel like that's the show I want to watch. Okay. I feel like if you said to Bill of Horn, here's the character arc I want to pitch you. I want to end 2007 Britney. I want you shaved head, beating the fuck out of a windshield on top of a car in the season finale. I feel like she'd be like, I can get there. Mm-hmm. I can get there tomorrow. I can get there in six months. I think it could be the kind of show about, like, not like some stupid fairy tale version of like young actress in Hollywood, but like a little more kind of like the reality of the situation, you know? Producers, you want casting couch producers shit. trying to casting couch you and Ooh. like how she has to deal with that. You know, like various ways she's being exploited by everyone around her, you know, drugs, um, you know, the, the whole gamut, like get real, you know, I think, you know, kind of thematically with the Taylor Swift video, which you still have up on the screen there, like there's such an opportunity in the fairy tale thing to play with image and like which ones are healthy, which ones are fake, which ones are you yeah. creating that are unhealthy, Um I would have gone back to the beginning and I so there's two ways I would have done this. There's the the actor version and there's like the writer version because I always think about those fucking Reddit boards where people would actually in seriousness post shit like the writers in the show are terrible. They should let the fans write the show. And I always think that's that's ridiculous. So I always had this I thought in my head like what if they need to get a certain plot line. They know it's going to be wildly unpopular. They host a contest, bring some kind of amateur writer on, make them write something. Is this within the show, or are you saying the sh- the show within Famous this? in Love mm. about the meta show within the show? Mm. So the, 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 one of the one of the stars is the writer who writes. They have their name on the script that's super popular, and then you have like real life Brandon Lee thing where somebody gets killed inside of that unpopular decision on the show. I and mean, it definitely sounds like we need to kill off one of those dudes, right? Well, they're both trash. So, yeah. I mean, I, I I just feel like there's an opportunity to kind of update the old I choose me from uh, 90210. Well, because you have you have like the douchebag Scott Speedman and then you have like the white bread, like Scott Foley of abs roommate. And it's like there's no there's no happy ending here. Felicity, choose yourself. See, if if it had ended with her opening the door, I would have had a dude like swinging from a noose inside. <laughs> There is actually a murder mystery they do set up for real in the finale. Really? There's so there there's the tabloid. There's like this weird like black British tabloid reporter. So dude. Perry Reeves grabs his balls in a restaurant in the pilot. Who's Perry Reeves? She's the um Rainer Wolfcastle's mom, the producer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there there's some whole dumb scandal. She's sleeping with the the black co-star? Yeah. Is that guy a co-star or a director? I couldn't even tell. I think he's the co-star. Okay. There's like some schlubby dude's the director. So it's like the the TMZ reporter guys like blackmailing them and it's like, oh, if Rainer finds out that his mom was fucking his co-star or whatever, he's that'll right off the wagon again, you know? So and those so, two guys used to be best friends and then the the one guy slept with Rainer's girlfriend and made a sex tape. Oh. I think a sex tape. And so that's why they're on the outs. But okay. they have to work together as bros on the movies. So. Sure, yeah. So anyway, like this guy's the 
the Co- black co-star calls up the tmz guy and he's like look i'll i'll give you something else like he he says i'll confess that i murdered my my mom's boyfriend like there's something where he's already committed one murder in the past nice. like protect his mom or something i don't know but like anyways it's like cut to the tmz guy like coming up to his office and it's like what are you doing here you know like really cheesy like he gets shot and is dead and then like it's like ooh, wonder who did that i'm sure that it's actually going to turn out to be the mom like that's it seems like the the obvious way they're setting it up because they want you to think it was the co-star but it won't be the tmz guy is not a character who was set up strong enough in the first two episodes where i would give a shit about his murder mystery yeah. in season two i don't i don't know why I don't know what the point of this show is, to be honest, because it doesn't seem very realistic mm-hmm. and it's also not soapy enough or it's 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 soapy in like cheesy ways. I but guess. It's not trashy, though. Not no, trashy it's not, enough. not nearly trashy enough. Yeah. To me, again, I've mentioned this many times the epitome of perfect trashy that's going to burn itself out mm-hmm. was Models Inc. The I, one season show in the 90s. You're on your own. on that. Yeah, that show was perfect and how long it could not sustain its own trashiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I see so much like wannabe shared DNA. I just, I feel like you could salvage this into something. It's just, you got to shed a lot of fat and really define like, what are we going for here? I would just lose like pretty much the entire cast except for Bellthorn. I don't feel like anyone else is really bringing anything special. Okay. And I guess you could have like the, her other roommate, the, the female roommate be like, around concerned for her mm. as she like descends into uh what, what typical hollywood profession at the end i don't know because there was something she was leaving too for some reason there was or something other. hinted at where she was like a waitress and a and an amateur actress like a community theater actress but she may or may not have been doing like sex work on the side that for money right okay. there's um i can't think of the name of the show right now there's some other show that has a jewel state of all people in it about like young people trying to make it in Hollywood. Oh, I know. I I it's got like a weird title, right? It's got a weird title, yeah. Um, but like to me, that was doing whatever this was trying to do better, you know, like and, and in a more interesting way. Oh, I really hated how they kept letting you know that Bella Thorne's character spelled her name, her last name, funny. Do they? Well, like yeah, in the, in the that first wasn't episodes because her name is Paige Townsend, but there's no D at the end, but she keeps telling everyone that quirky it's yeah. super quirky yeah i i'm not really sure what the point of this show is but i i would just make it much more trashy la complex sorry la complex is that what it is yeah. okay i'm just not sure who it's really targeted at it seems like it's targeted at like 12 year olds or something you know bt dubs jewel state did a movie in 2016 called how to plan an orgy in a small town mm. maybe that's a show no it's a film um yeah, I don't know who this show is for. I feel like it's for one demographic from PLL. And it's like maybe they don't get that like what made PLL was the successful blending of a lot of demographics. You mean the shippers? The shippers, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's like it's artificial though. Like they're really trying to generate. And no one actually cares yeah. who this girl's gonna pick. Yeah. No. No. It, and, yeah, but neither of those characters was compelling at all. Rainer and Jake, I think is the other guy's name. Shit. Yeah, I, I think you got to lose everyone and, and just make it more about the Hollywood experience. I mean, I, I guess it's called Famous in Love, so there needs to be a, a romance factor. But, I guess um, if something had happened to one of the guys and they were dead, I could really buy the 
six months in the future. Yeah. Like kind of like the uh the Katniss thing where like she has to play up the love angle with mm-hmm. Peta after the fact. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um Yeah, something where she's having to pretend to be in love with her co star publicly and but also keep something private. Yeah. You weren't much of an actress and you got cast in, like the biggest thing in the world or whatever, supposedly. Like it's what do you locked. Yeah. Locked. What do you do when you're trying to like start your career or I guess they're supposed to be, I guess the whole point is that they're gonna do like sequels. I guess. Unlocked. Yeah. Locked up. There's like a sorceress character in it. Is it really? Is it like what is the story of Locked? I have no idea. Because I could not tell at all from the first episode. Yeah. Just that it was some when they were filming there's there's a a scene in the show where they were filming a scene from the movie Mm -hmm. and it it was like, wow, this scene sure is topical to your current relationship situation type of thing. But it was like they it they were just like walking down a street. Like it wasn't sci-fi at all, really. Right. Like I wasn't sure. Maybe she mentions time traveling, so maybe there's like a they were back in time or Locked something. Five features time travel. Yeah. Um, I liked episode two more than episode one, but I guess this is the kind of show. If you're really gonna play up this L.A. thing, you should really be hitting it hard with like cameos, and you can't top <laughs> a cameo Lowe. from C- from episode one. <laughs> Celebrity cameo, Chad Lowe. Yeah. Um. Uh, Gold Bros, or it's Gold Brothers, I guess. It's like they're fake Warner Brothers. I just kept reading it as Gold Bros the whole time. I like, I don't know. I, I do you actually meet the Gold Bros? There's a studio head. I don't know if he's a, technically a Gold Bro or not. See, I would be afraid to get into like a Studio Sixty thing, where it's like suddenly like the head of the studio keeps popping up as a quirky character yeah. who has to be like like he seems hard assed at first, but then you see that he's like a sensitive guy and he's actually Steven Weber. Um. Yeah, I just I think that they Jordan Wilder. They need to give Bella Thorne something to do because she's just like running around being an emotional crutch for other people, as far as I can tell from the finale. This guy's name is Jake Salt. Yeah, fucking salt of the earth. I know Jake Salt. God damn it! Conveniently leave your screenplay by Jake Salt in the wastebasket where Bella Thorne will notice it. And then she, she of course, reads the whole thing. It's like, oh my god. This is amazing. Oh, this is wonderful. All of the uh, episode titles are like plays on popular movies. Mm. Some like it not. <laughs> Prelude to a diss. Uh, I... I feel like you and I would be great on this show. I don't think what we want for the show is probably what the creators want. Tell me, but um, if the creators can tell me what they want, I just think that <laughs> Bella, better yet, show me within the show. I think that Bella Thorne's Instagram account shouldn't be more interesting than the show that she's in. Let me let's let me, put it that way. Let me take a quick look. It's an Instagram account, but like obviously, there's more like intrigue and drama happening there than there is on this show, where it's just like. It's just really, it's almost reads like fanfic, like the relationship mm. drama, you know? Oh, shit. Yeah. There's a lot more happening on this Instagram page. <laughs> we got, we got some sexy photos. We got some middle fingers. We got some 9 11 imagery. Hell yeah. <laughs> we just cut this together of some pop songs and make this the trailer for Famous in Love. I, I mean, but yeah, I, I, I thought she was interesting in the first two episodes. I really hated the character she was playing. She, this has got to be a prison. She was a, for her. She was a total blank on uh, the episode I watched. Like, 
she was just running around like looking for this dude the whole time. But this has got to be like a prison for her. I would think so. Yeah, I don't really understand what the goal of the show is. Um, it got renewed somehow. If I were them, I'd shake things up a little. Anyways, I think that about does it for uh, famous love. It's funny. Uh, on my uh, notes here, I just had murder mystery question mark. It sounds like you were you were headed the same way. There. I think I've said that before on a pillow podcast. I this this to me should be. I think there's a really idea where you can play the kind of questions of self and and get confused and lost in that. Um, I hate to say like Perfect Blue. That's an old movie that I I would use as an influence on something. But yeah, I like what you're saying though. You could really explore like the dark side of like young, nubile, confused. Well, you could get into like noir celebrity. as well. Yeah, yeah. A little modern well, day, like, like, like glossy glamour, like uh, neon noir. Mm-hmm. Neon noir. That's how the show should be described. Sure. Um, like you could do a trailer where it's just like it's a neon sign, like like coming sparking to life, and it says "famous in love," and then the whole thing explodes, like Dirk Diggler's name, like it's so sharp it's it cuts cut glass, glass, you know. Like, but it's just sharp. like boom, season two, it's coming soon, and then you just see some like blood dripping. Oh, we just cut an awesome trailer for the show that we've only between us seen three episodes of. All right. Well, I think that about does it for this episode of Headcanon. This was just a little episode zero kind of test run for the new format. We will be back for real weekly. I think you can probably expect uh, episodes to come out Tuesday morning or thereabouts. Something uh, like that. Yeah. Probably Tuesday morning. By, uh, but, by Wednesdays for Sherzies. Yeah. But uh, that won't be for a few more weeks. This is just a test episode. We'll be back for real uh, in October. Uh, but anyways, let us know what you think. If you have any uh, thoughts or ideas or feedback or opinions, mm. we'd love to hear it. We, you can reach us uh, at headcanonpod on Twitter. I think we'll probably be making a new email that you can hit us at in the future. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you like the old format, hope you don't hate the new format. And hope you keep listening. Yeah. Bye-bye. Peace.